This is Current Events Part 2, World War Three. I've been meaning to get this episode out, and I'm a little bit bummed that I waited this long, but there's something that needs to be said about what's going on in the Ukraine right now. You may not know this, but Russia has way more than 100,000 troops surrounding the Ukraine. Now, the Ukraine used to be part of the former Soviet Union. Now, everybody in the Sonic tribe knows that I'm a bipolar autistic psychopath with ADHD and PTSD, but I just want to say one thing for the record, and I'm willing to bet my reputation as a psychopath on it. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, is a psychopath too, and that is a fact. But the difference between him and me is, is he's rich and I'm not. He is a geopolitical force, and I'm just a regular guy with nothing to lose. And I know if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. But Vladimir Putin, he doesn't have to do shit. He can do whatever he wants, and he does whatever he wants, and that is a fact. He is unconcerned with whether it's the right thing to do or not when he makes a choice. His only question is what is the consequence to my personal power if I do A or B or C or all. What drives him is what he wants, and only what he wants, and what is the most efficient and effective way to achieve it. That too is a fact. But one thing that I can promise you is common to all people with antisocial personality disorder is we all think we're fucking geniuses, but we're not. Well, most of us aren't. And the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath, like between me, Donald Trump, and Vladimir Putin, a psychopath is really kind of a narcissistic predator, and a sociopath is just a narcissistic hothead. Now, I can see a sociopath coming a mile away, but a real psychopath, it's a lot harder to see them coming. And I think we're all kind of born with some of it, but I know that my ASPD didn't really mature, didn't ferment, so to speak. I mean, it was always kind of there under the surface. I was always angry, and I know I had some narcissistic tendencies, but it really didn't crystallize until until I caught PTSD in Afghanistan. And so I did have some good family, faith-based, military values in my character. And I think that's part of what makes me sort of a, a good psychopath. Or am I? I could be lying. Maybe I just want you to think that. But I'm good. Probably. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. But I can tell you Putin didn't get any of that. Vladimir Putin is a natural-born psychopath, and that too is a fact. And if you think back to the physics of leadership, right? If you want to be a leader and you don't have any empathy, you need an algorithm. So the physics of leadership, there are three laws. One, everybody wants to do the very best for themselves that they can. Two, leadership transacts in their mind and in their mind alone. And three, how you make them feel about themselves or how they feel after considering your leadership in the context of the first and second laws, the feeling that they get is going to determine your leadership impact and their behaviors. And that is a fact. And it's this perception, it's this understanding in the mind of a madman that would inform any kind of action that I ever took if I found myself in a position dealing with Vladimir Putin or anybody like him. And on September 22nd, 2021, I did a podcast episode called Current Events Part 1, Wall Street Abortion and Cyber War. And it's going to be characteristic of what I'm going to say in this episode, but it's why I said this in the last one when it came to Russian cyber attacks against U.S. targets. And I really wish our leaders were listening because if they were, we'd probably be in a much better position now than we are. 
And that is a fact. And this is kind of a glimpse into a parallel universe where the President of the United States is an autistic, bipolar psychopath. I think you're going to like it. In August 2021, T-Mobile suffered a data breach to hackers that accessed for personal details of over 500 million people. Russian hackers shut down the world's largest meat processing company, JBS, shut down facilities in the US and Canada and Australia. And in May, Russian attackers shut down the Colonial Pipeline and raised American gas prices. And also in May, there was a Russian widespread ransomware attack where academia and government and education and retail, just all kinds of industries, and even shut down Maryland schools for a bit. And I guess that sounds a little weird, but that's where I'm from. So just saying it affected my world. And the Chinese are trying to hack the networks of American defense contractors to get military technology and secrets all the time, and that is a fact. And the Chinese even hacked our American casinos for over a hundred million in ransom, and that is a lot. Chinese hackers even hacked New York City's Metro Transportation Authority, and they never got their access back. And during the 2020 election, the commander of the U.S. Army Cyber Command testified that they were running more than two dozen operations to confront foreign threats against our voting system. And I think it's time we said, fuck that. Now back in 1776, when America declared its independence, we had some trouble with foreign naval activity, and so the president of the Continental Congress at the time was John Hancock, and he issued special licenses called Letters of Marquis. He created a special breed of legit pirates called privateers, and the letter would identify the commander of a vessel, the berthing of the vessel, the size of the vessel, and the crew of the vessel, authorize them in a warlike manner, using force of arms to attack the seas and take ships and other vessels belonging to the enemies of America. Then they would bring what they captured to court, and the court would rule that it was legit or not, and if it was legit, then America would condemn the captured loot, and the privateers got to keep it. They got to eat whatever they hunted. And this is why you don't ever want a bipolar or autistic psychopath with ADHD and PTSD as your president, because if I was president of the United States, I would issue letters of marquee, and I would turn Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and every hacker in Silicon Valley, every IT company, every porn site, every disillusioned millennial, every angry, angst-filled, app-writing Gen Z gamer, I would rally them all and unleash them on Russia, China, North Korea, and any other American adversary. And to all of them, I'd say it is your patriotic duty to defend your country. We are at war. It's a silent, asymmetric war, but a war nonetheless, and we will protect this house. And I would tell them, you get to eat whatever you hunt. If you lock up a Russian bank or power company, whatever ransom you extract goes right in your pocket, and those American patriots, fueled by their own financial self-interest, would crush the enemies of this country so hard they would wring them for every nickel, and they would cripple their email and every form of their digital existence. We would see them all beg us to make it stop. I would make the enemies of this country beg, and that would be the last time that Russia or China or North Korea or any other American adversary ever hacked America ever again, and that is a fact. No, Putin wants to turn off the colonial pipeline that supplies fuel to the East Coast. Okay, watch this. I'll pay a special bounty to anyone who can lock out Putin's petroleum distribution network during the Russian winter, just so I can watch him burn his own furniture and personal property to stay warm. Well, you want to put bounties on the heads of our soldiers? I'll put bounties on the personal assets and accounts of the Russian heads of state and their families and their neighbors. 
and you will all live without electricity until further notice. You know, and cyber war, I know it's kind of a new thing, but as far as I'm concerned, cyber war is still war. And I think when it comes to asymmetric war, you can't just be in defense mode. You can't just upgrade your cybersecurity posture and antivirus software. I mean, that's how you become Putin's bitch. In my mind, you're not protecting yourself from a cyber threat if you're not in the attack. And neither this or the last administration is getting it right. I mean, shortly after the last president was elected, the Secretary of State's personal email files were hacked and dumped on the internet. And the last president just sat there and eh, didn't really care. And we became Putin's bitch, even though the CIA and all the national intelligence services all confirmed that Putin meddled in our election. And the last president just kind of shrugged and said, well, President Putin was very stern in his denial that his country didn't tamper with the election. And he said it very strongly. And I don't know why he would. We were all Putin's bitches after that. And I've seen nothing that makes me think that this administration is any different in the sense that our gas pipeline was shut down, our food was shut down by the Russians, our schools were shut down by the Chinese, and it's still happening, which at the end of the day means that this president isn't any better than the last president, and that is a fact. But there was a delicious irony about Letters of Marquis that just absolutely shocked me in the last couple weeks as we come to this Texas abortion law. And the reason I had that attitude in that episode was because Vladimir Putin is really like the Terminator. He can't be bargained with, he can't be reasoned with, and he absolutely will not stop until he rules the world. Because it's absolutely futile and pointless, it's hopeless to negotiate for peace with someone who doesn't give a shit about peace, and that is a fact. Because really, at the end of the day, we could negotiate all we wanted, and at some point, the bottom line is war. And we saw exactly this play out in the 1930s with Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany. Because if the dictator that rules your country is a psychopath, the longer you wait to go to war, the more resources they collect and the harder they dig in. So negotiation is just a stalling tactic. And I'm certain we're going to see exactly this play out in the Ukraine. Now, Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin was born on the 7th of October, 1952. He was born in Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg. He studied law at Leningrad State University. So yeah, he went to LSU and graduated in 1975. He was a KGB foreign intelligence officer for 16 years. So yeah, he was a spy. And in 96, he was the director of their security service. And then he was appointed prime minister in 1999. Boris Yeltsin resigned and Putin became acting president. Then he was elected president. He was re-elected in 04. And then he was going to be constitutionally limited to two terms as president. So he actually went back down in 08 to prime minister and then became president again in 2012. There's all kinds of fraud and protest. He was re-elected in 2018. And then in 2021, he changed the constitution. So yeah, he's probably going to be president until he dies, just like President Xi in China. So up until 1990, the Ukraine was part of the USSR, a union of Soviet socialist republics. Now on August 24th, 1990, the Ukraine parliament voted to secede from the USSR, and that's their official Independence Day. And then the Soviet Union fell apart on December 26th. 1991. Now, there was a lot of nuclear going on in the Ukraine. Chernobyl was in Ukraine. Not a bright spot in their history. Well, it was glowing. But anyway, you get the idea. You know what I mean. That was like in 87, so it was really the USSR's fault. That one wasn't the Ukrainians' fault. They just had to deal with the fallout 
so to speak. But when the Soviet Union collapsed, Ukraine was left with the third largest nuclear stockpile in the world. And Ukraine agreed to trade away its intercontinental ballistic missiles, its ICBM warheads, and other nuclear infrastructure in exchange for guarantees that the US, the UK, and Russia would respect the independence and sovereignty and the existing borders of Ukraine. Yeah, and we'll see in 2014, Putin kind of said, fuck that, and he went in and took the Crimean Peninsula in the Ukraine. And that is a fact. And President Kachima was the president of Ukraine from 1994 to 2004, and he was really pretty instrumental in transforming Ukraine from a communist society to a capitalist society, privatizing businesses, working on international trade. He got in some trouble, and in 2004, he handpicked his successor, Viktor Yankovich, who was supported by Russian President Vladimir Putin against a popular pro-democracy opposition leader, Viktor Yushchenko. And in the final months of the campaign, Viktor Yushchenko falls weirdly ill and is disfigured, confirmed by doctors to have been poisoned. And this dude's face is jacked up. Yankovic wins the election because it was rigged. The massive protests of the Orange Revolution follow. And after a third vote, the poisoned Yushchenko wins the election. Now, Yushchenko tries to bring Ukraine into NATO. And NATO's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is pretty much like UK, Romania, Denmark, Netherlands... Czech Republic, Greece, Italy, Croatia, Germany, France, United States, and Canada. It's pretty much all the good guys. There's 30 NATO countries. But now Ukraine, which is dumb, we should have let Ukraine in, but we didn't. But if we let them in today, it might stop a war tomorrow, which could come in handy. And that is a fact. Now in 2008, U.S. President G.W. Bush did support Ukraine's membership in NATO, but Putin raised hell, and then France and Germany opposed it because they wanted Russian oil. In 2009, Putin cuts off Ukraine's oil supply and forces Yushchenko to renegotiate a new treaty. And in 2010, Yanukovych comes back and wins the election and is elected president in Ukraine. Now remember, he lost to Yushchenko in a landslide six years before. And Yanukovych, who's in Putin's pocket, says, no, nope, we're not going to be in NATO. We're just going to cooperate. And then Ukrainian prosecutors open an investigation into Yushchenko's prime minister. She gets sentenced to seven years in the pokey for abuse of power when she was negotiating with Russia. Yeah, that's fucking dumb. Now in 2014, Ukraine was going to ink a deal with the EU, a free trade agreement, which was a step towards bringing them into the EU. But Yanukovych refused to sign it. Protests erupted, and in February 2014, violence between the police and protesters broke out that left more than 100 dead in the capital square, Maiden Square in Ukraine. And that was ugly. And ahead of an impeachment vote on February 22nd, Yanukovych flees. He goes to Russia. Ukraine's parliament votes unanimously to remove Yanukovych and install an interim government, then it says it's going to sign the EU agreement and they let their old prime minister out of prison. The new government charges Yanukovych with mass murder and issues a warrant for his arrest. And get this, and this is just Putin telling on himself. Then Russia declares that the change in Ukraine's government is an illegal coup, which was done by voting in their parliament. Like he's the fucking Supreme Court in the Ukraine. And immediately, armed men in black masks appear at checkpoint and facilities all throughout the Crimean Peninsula. And Putin says, oh, they're just separatists. And the whole world's like, man, don't be stupid. And then Putin goes, ah, fuck it, yeah, they're my guys. And remember this, because there's actually finger quotes, Ukrainian separatists in the Crimean Peninsula, which is the part of Ukraine that Russia took over, shooting at Ukraine proper. And they exchange fire, like, every day. But it's really not Ukraine separatists, it's just Russian dicks shooting at Ukraine from the Crimean Peninsula, which should be part of Ukraine anyway. But it's not, because we didn't have the nuts 
efforts to do anything about it. We just said, oh, let's try sanctions. And this is the kind of bullshit that Putin pulls all the time to sort of justify violence and invasions, just like he did in 2014 when he took the Crimean Peninsula. And yesterday, Ukrainian separatists showed the international media an alleged artillery attack from Ukraine that hit a school. And if you look at the bottom of the podcast art, That's the school that they said took a hit from Ukrainian artillery. And it's fucking the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Somehow, an artillery round blew a hole in the side of the school. And I guess the round just disappeared when it went through the wall. Because nothing inside the school blew up. There was all kinds of soccer balls in the rubble that were still inflated and clean. It didn't blow anything off the walls. It didn't singe or burn anything. The glass was all intact. All the windows were fine. All the bricks fell like straight down. And the wall opposite the hole inside the room was totally It was the dumbest shit I've ever seen, you know, and Putin just told on himself. But this isn't actually the first time that Putin's pulled something like this. He blew up a whole apartment building one time. Because on September 9th, 1999, an explosion leveled a nine-story apartment building in Moscow. Killed 100 people. A second explosion killed 119 more. And a truck bomb hit another building, killing 17. Putin blamed the attacks on Chechen terrorists and invaded Chechnya. And Chechnya was a province in Russia that everybody knew. That everybody knew wanted to secede and leave Russian control. But Putin didn't want that. Bombed them out. He actually said, we'll pursue them everywhere. We'll catch them in the toilet and we'll wipe them out in the outhouse. That's just fucking weird, you know? But he's willing to murder hundreds of his own people to stay in power. To give himself an excuse to invade a Russian province that he knows is thinking about secession. He's willing to kill his own people to avoid losing a little power. That is a fact. So it's crazy to think that you could negotiate with a psychopath like that. That too was a fact. Russia invaded Ukraine because Putin didn't like the result of the election. And that is a fact. There's a Crimean parliament. Russia puts a gun to their head and they vote 97% to secede from Ukraine and join Russia. And in response, the US and allies in Europe impose sanctions on Russia. And they've never recognized Russia's annexation. And it didn't matter. And the reason it didn't matter is because he was in possession of the Crimean Peninsula. And that was the only time since World War II that military force has changed the borders in Europe since World War II. But we impose sanctions, which obviously isn't doing shit, because Putin's coming for the rest of Ukraine now. And if he gets the same amount of no resistance from NATO, he's got no reason in the world not to completely invade Ukraine and take the fucking rest, and that is a fact. And Russian President Vladimir Putin described the fall of the Soviet Union as the demise of historical Russia. He said it was the disintegration of historical Russia under the name of the Soviet Union. So he actually thinks that all of the former republics under the USSR are actually Russia. So he doesn't see him as democracies or free countries of other people. He's just grabbing his old Russia back. So there's nothing that you can say to negotiate with him about whether or not he's going to do that. Because there is no other objective that matters at all to him and that is a fact. He called it the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century. And you can believe he believes it's his mission to reacquire and submit Eastern Europe to Russian control. And that too is a fact. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but leading up to the 2020 election, remember when they caught Trump on the phone and he was withholding aid? Unless if that president investigated Hunter Biden's dealings. Yeah, that was Ukraine too. Trump was going to withhold congressionally mandated military aid and withhold it from the Ukraine unless if they investigated Hunter Biden to try to discredit President Biden prior to the election. But I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? Because 
Trump wanted to get elected, and he's a sociopath. That is a fact. But you can't hardly blame him, too, because Russia's against the Ukraine, and Trump was pretty much for Russia, because Trump owned the Miss Universe pageant. In 2013, the Miss Universe pageant was held in Moscow. Trump had a few indiscretions with some Russian hookers, and I'm pretty sure Vladimir Putin has a sex tape with Russian hookers peeing on Donald Trump. And I think that's why he didn't stand up to Vladimir Putin, that Putin was paying bounties to Taliban and foreign fighters for killing American soldiers in Afghanistan. Trump didn't do shit. It was probably because he didn't want Melania to find out that Russian hookers were peeing on him in Moscow in 2013. And I thought maybe Trump would just like kind of grow a spine against Russia after she found out that he was banging Stormy Daniels because when it comes to getting peed on by Russian hookers or banging Stormy Daniels, it's not like Melania's going to be like, I'm cool with Stormy Daniels, but I draw the line at taking a golden shower with some Russian hookers. Russian hookers. That's just unacceptable, Donald. I don't know what's worse. You know, it's like, what's the difference? Well, maybe like 40 years. But since Stormy Daniels like made him pay a couple hundred thousand dollars in hush money, I guess they're all kind of hookers. Technically. Probably. I'm pretty sure. And full disclosure, I'll be honest. I'm still fucking pissed at Trump for not doing shit when he found out that Putin was paying bounties on the heads of our soldiers in Afghanistan. Because Putin pretty much grabbed Trump by the pussy during his entire time in office, and that is a fact. But objectively, the current administration is fucking it up just as bad as the last one, and that too is a fact. Because there's at least eight people that Vladimir Putin has assassinated in a high-profile every Everybody knows he did it way. There was Alexander Livitnyenko, who was a former KGB agent. He accused his bosses of ordering and carrying out a hit against a Russian oligarch. They threw him in jail twice before dismissing the charges. He defected to the UK, and then he was poisoned with a radioactive substance, polonium-210, and he died in agony of radiation poisoning. Anna Politkov-Sakaya was a journalist who was critical of Putin, murdered by contract killers at point-blank range. Natalia Estomarova, who's a friend of Anna's, and Natalia specialized in uncovering human rights abuses carried out by the Russians against Chechnyans. She's abducted from her home and shot in the head. And a human rights lawyer, Stanislav Markolov, who actually represented Anna, was shot by a masked gunman near the Kremlin. And a journalist, Anastasia Babarova, who was walking with him, got shot when she tried to help him. So it's just random dudes rolling up on these guys and smoking them. Boris Nemtsov was a former deputy prime minister of Russia under Boris Yeltsin. So Vladimir and Boris were peers under Yeltsin. Boris accused Vladimir of being in the pay of oligarchs. Got shot four times right outside the Kremlin. Boris Berezovsky was a Russian oligarch who fled to Britain after he had a falling out with Putin. He was found dead in his home in 2013 in an apparent suicide. But he was found dead inside a locked bathroom with a ligature mark around his neck. Meh. He got suicided. Paul Klebnikov was the chief editor of the Russian Forbes magazine. He wrote about corruption and dug into the lives of wealthy Russians drive-by shooting. Sergei Yushnikov was a Russian politician who was trying to prove that the Russian state was behind the bombing of the apartment block I was telling you about back in 1999. Got sniped, a gunshot wound to the chest at a political rally. And then there's Alexei Nelvanya, who's one of the most prominent opposition leaders against Putin. He was on a flight from Russia to Serbia, and they poisoned him. And this is what it sounds like when Putin poisons somebody on the airplane that you're on. Oh man, that is so gnarly. Let's hear it again. 
Yeah, that is actually Alexei Nalvani's voice. But Alexei is a badass. He is such a badass. He actually disguised his phone number, impersonated a Russian official, and he called the dude who actually poisoned him. He convinced him that he had to brief the brass on the failure to kill him. And he actually got the dude to confess to doing it. Of course, he didn't know he was confessing. And they did it by putting Novichok, a class of chemical weapons developed by the former Soviet Union and Russia, and they put it in his underpants. <laughs> That's cold. Shh, shh, shh. You hear that? So Putin's ordered the death of at least dozens of people, just individual, regular people who spoke out against him and spoke out against the government. He's blown up apartment buildings full of his own countrymen just to consolidate power. And you know, he's a psychopath bent on the restoration of Russia's glory as the throne of Eastern Europe. He paid bounties to incentivize the killing of our soldiers. And he invaded the Crimean Peninsula, which is the Ukraine, and took it over in 2014. Nobody did shit. He just walked in and took it. And now he's surrounded the rest of Ukraine with more than 100,000 troops. So there's no fucking reason that anybody should ever be under the illusion that he's not going to invade and take it. And that is a fact. And he won't stop there. None of it matters. He will not stop there. He will not stop until he has restored Russia to its historic state. Because here's the thing, and there's just no getting around it. Right now, all of Russia's forces, all their tanks, their infantry, and their artillery... Right now, it's all lined up in one spot. It's in a big row all along the border. Now, if he takes the Ukraine, he's going to take all that armor. He's going to take all those units and he's going to dig them in. They're going to be in hardened positions. They'll be in bunkers. They will be able to prepare air defense. But you see, right now, they're just in the attack. They're ready to move. They're all packed up. And so they're actually sitting ducks right now. That too is a fact. And if there was ever a time, and the time will come, and the only thing that's ever going to stop Putin from attacking and taking over other democratic countries is if he thinks he's going to lose power. And he knows from the absolute zero resistance that he encountered when he took over Crimea, he has no reason to believe for a second that he's going to encounter any resistance taking over the rest of the Ukraine. And he's just going to leverage that to get more concessions for the things that he wants to give back the shit that he illegally took in the fucking first place. Place. And there'll be another country and another country and another country. It's never going to end. Because Russia is at war right now. Russia is at war and that is a fact. And we spend about a third of our budget on defense. And it's kind of gross that we'll send our whole military into Afghanistan that never actually did anything to us and can fight back. Because Osama bin Laden was a Saudi Arabian exile who was the architect of 9-11 and he was in Pakistan the whole time we were in Afghanistan and that is a fact. So we're ready to invade a country that can't fight back to we have no reason to be in at the drop of a hat. But when it comes to fighting a fight that needs to be fought against a country who's a bully that pretty much we're the only one who can take, where are we? Where are we at? Where's our courage now? Because the best time to absolutely wreck Putin's army is on the eve of the invasion. And if we're ready when that happens, because there's only one thing that will protect us from Putin. Because remember, Putin is a psychopath. He wants to submit Eastern Europe under Russian control. And the only thing on the planet Planet. The only thing in the world that is ever going to get him to stop is if he believes that attacking another country is going to cause him to lose power. And the only way he's going to be afraid of losing power is if the United States of America is there and committed to fighting back. But I promise to always leave you better than I found you. And so I make this bizarre 
and totally non sequitur prediction. The Sonic Tribe knows about the quantum echo theory and how UFOs and UAP are likely future human time travelers. And UAP have been documented as very focused on nuclear deactivation. So the sonic gravity prediction is, in the future we know this happens. In the future, we are prepared. And in the future, we return to defend ourselves from a nuclear exchange with Russia. And if the sonic gravity theory of everything and quantum echo theory is true, then that is a fact. <laughs> 